Mark chapter 14, we continue this journey with Jesus as he displays who he is, the Lord of all. And Jesus really is the Lord of all. And and when we submit ourselves to him, then we experience all that God would have us experience. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, one thing that I've always wanted in my life and, and have been blessed to receive in a lot of different ways, but one thing I've always wanted is to be loved. And I'm thankful for parents that love me, and I'm thankful for uh, children that love me, and I'm thankful for a wife that loves me. Today's her birthday. She's not here, so it wouldn't do me any good to sing happy birthday to her. I'm already in trouble for doing that at 930, but uh, it's her birthday. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But you know, all the loves that this world offers will end up leaving us somewhat empty. And it's not because we don't want to be loved. It's because we do want to be loved, but we yearn for a love that will satisfy us completely, a perfect kind of love. And as good, and I'm telling you, my wife is as good as it gets, but as good as my wife is, she does not love me perfectly. Please don't tell her I said that. No, she, she doesn't. I, 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 and I, I, I don't know uh, how a man could love a woman more than I love my wife, but as much as I love her, I don't love her perfectly. She already knows that, right? And so it's in the midst of those imperfections in our love for one another that, that we end up finding a sense of discontent. And that's good relationships. How many bad relationships have we had? Are having. It's in those moments that we need a love that will satisfy us completely. And that's that's exactly the kind of love that Jesus has come to deliver. Jesus has come to deliver that perfect kind of love. That life-giving love. That love that will never disappoint and will always satisfy In Mark chapter 14, we see Jesus making his way to the display of that love. Here's how Jesus described the best kind of love. He says, no greater love has anyone than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, hey, I'm the way for you to experience the greatest love ever. And I know, I know in your, over here, this crew, And there's some other students around. I know sometimes in your world, it's kind of hard to imagine that Jesus has a greater love than the boy that I like. (laughs) Trust me. He does. You know, it's it's hard to imagine uh, a more satisfying love than some of the relational loves that we have in our world today. But friends... Please, please understand, the only way we can really have a love that satisfies us is through Christ. The greatest love we can ever know can only be embraced, only can be experienced through Jesus. Jesus is the avenue that we experience, taste, a satisfying, life-giving love. So how do we take hold of that every day? Most of us here today are followers of Christ. And and as followers of Christ, we would say, yes, I know that to be true. Yes, that's a satisfying love. Jesus satisfies me. 
Absolutely. Ain't nobody love me like Jesus. Right? Some of y'all wanted to sing it too, didn't you? Ain't nobody love me like Jesus. Ain't nobody love me like Lord. Now, as believers, we would say it's true that students are, my children are not here, so they won't ridicule me later for that. But but I, I mean, we, we, want, we, we would say, yes, Jesus satisfies, but, but what about the everyday kind of thing? See, here's, we, we say Jesus satisfies me for eternity, but what about the everyday kind of thing? As Jesus makes his journey on his days, he shows us how that we can, how that we can be wrapped up in this wondrous, life-giving, satisfying love of God every single day. And the first step for that for us is for us to check the condition of our heart. And we've got to check where our heart is. Now, where, where is your heart? And if we're going to be satisfied by the love of God, which is the only kind of love that will really satisfy, get that, because that's pretty profound. If we're going to be satisfied by the love of God, which is the only kind of love that can really satisfy, then we need to check where our heart is in relationship with God. Now, Mark chapter 14, our text, Mark chapter 14, in verses 1 and 2, we see a group of people that their heart was not in a good place with God. And then we go down to verses 10 and 11, we see another cat that his heart was not in a good place with God. But if we look at verses 3 through 9, we see one wondrous woman whose heart was absolutely in the right place with God. So here, let, let's look at the religious leaders. Mark 14, 1 and 2. Here are some religious leaders. If anybody should have had a heart that was right with God, it was them. I mean, they had read about God. They knew about God. It, they're a lot like us today. I mean, we, we've got all the information about God, but is our heart right with him? They should have had it, but they weren't. their heart was not right with God. How do we know? Because... Verses 1 and 2, look at it. It says they're trying, they're plotting and planning how to kill Jesus. Can I just say, you reject Jesus, you're rejecting a satisfying love. Just that simple. Their hearts were hardened against God. Go down in verses 10 and 11, you come across Judas, one of the 12 disciples, and Judas decides he's going to betray Jesus. Why? Because his heart was not right with God. You determine you're going to betray Jesus, your heart, you're, you're not going to receive a satisfying love. And sometimes, sometimes our heart gets skewed and, and off kilter so that, so that we harden our heart against God. Here's an easy test. If God is saying you need to do this and you say no, then chances are you're hardening your heart. Think of it this way. Uh, here's how the scripture says it. God resists the proud. It's an interesting phrase there, God resists the proud. It says it, says it in several places, in Proverbs and James and 1 Peter. Oh, what does it mean, God resists the proud? Well, proud, that's a person that's resisting God. So here's the way it looks. God says, I'm going to give you the greatest love you could ever know. And we say, I'm going to stiff arm you, God. I, I, I'm going to do life my way. Yeah, I want you to satisfy me, but I want you to do it on my terms. God, look, you need to get in line. You get in the back seat. I'm driving this life. And we wonder why we're not satisfied. 
Now, that's the religious leaders. That was Judas. That's us. Is that where your heart is today? God, you get in the back seat. I'm driving this life. We need to check the condition of our heart. Or, instead of religious leaders and, and Judas, maybe, just maybe, we're here today and we're like Mary of Bethany. That's verses 3 through 9. Look at the, the picture of this, uh, this wonderful woman who has decided that she is going to give an expression of love that's incalculable. I, she, is decide, I'm, she said, I'm not going to count the cost. I'm just going to give everything to show Jesus I love him. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I know it doesn't make sense. And, and some, of us in this, some of us in here today, we would just cringe like the disciples did. I cannot believe that this woman would be so extravagant, spend a year's wage on, a, on, on perfume that's going to be there and gone. She, look at how much she wasted. But you know, Jesus affirmed what she did because it was an expression of love and devotion, extravagant. Full throttle. Look, she was a fanatic. Her heart was fanatically, passionately devoted to Christ. See, Scripture says in Proverbs and in James and in 1 Peter, God resists the proud. And that's us when we stiff-arm God. But, but it also says, but he gives grace to the humble. That, that, the humble, that's the picture of the woman. Mary of Bethany, she's humbled herself before Jesus. She said, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be extravagant in my expressions toward you. Jesus, I belong to you. Humbled. Is that the condition of our hearts? See, as we come to this table... We need to check the condition of our heart. If we're going to experience that life-giving, satisfying love, we need to check and make sure that our hearts are not proud, but they are humbled. Look, have you decided, have you decided that the most important thing, have you decided that the most important thing is for you to give your life to Jesus in absolute service, no matter what your friends or anybody else might think or say? If not, then you need to adjust the condition of your heart. We've got to decide that Jesus is the most important one. That's what it comes down to. And we've got to do that now if we're going to be satisfied. So we need to check the condition of our hearts. But also, we need to to reflect, remember, rehearse the portrait of this life-giving love. Now, when we check the condition of our heart, here's what God's love begins to do through Christ. It begins to encourage our heart. When we we check the condition of our heart, we say, Jesus, you are the most important one in my world, in my life, in my universe. Then God's love begins to encourage our hearts. Beginning verse 12, we see Jesus celebrated the Passover with his, with his followers. The Passover was a picture of God's rescuing love for the children of Israel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says that Jesus now has become our Passover. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is the one who becomes the sacrifice so that we might live. He's the one that gives his life so that our sin might be forgiven. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.20, uh, the, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, he said uh, uh, for God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the portrait of life, uh, of love, is, is that God took all my crimes and put them on Jesus so that all of Jesus and his goodness might fall on me. That's love. Romans chapter 5. Um, God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were good, not when we were getting better at being better, but when we were sinners, when we were hostile toward God. Christ died for us. That's love. Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who now works among the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, but God, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. That's love. Here's, here's the love of God. It's not that you are a religious person. It's not that you're a moral person. It's not that you're a better person. It's that you and I are miserable wretches that deserve nothing but judgment. And yet God sent Jesus to take all the wretchedness that we had earned upon himself and give us all the righteousness that he had earned and place it upon us. In this great exchange of God's grace, we have been forgiven, not by what we do, but by what Jesus has done. That's love. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus began to fill the Passover meal with brand new significance. It says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it at the meal and he said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. It says he took the cup and he poured it and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin for many. Drink in remembrance of me. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I am the sacrifice. And that's love. Jesus is the avenue by which we are satisfied by the love of God. And when we reflect, when we reflect upon this beautiful portrait of a satisfying love brought to us through Christ by God, by God himself. When we reflect on this, then our soul is nourished. When we adjust the condition of our heart, humble before Jesus, you are everything to me. Our hearts are encouraged when we reflect and remember and rehearse this meal. Our souls are nourished by God's life-giving love. So this morning, as followers of Christ, I'm going to invite you to come and and, and, and celebrate, reflect, rehearse, remember all that Jesus has done for you. And be nourished by his love. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have given us this faithful and forever love. A love that sets us free from the chains of sin and darkness, a love that gives us hope 
in the place of despair. We thank you that you have given us this perfect love, a love that will saturate our souls with your life-giving presence. We thank you, O God, that today as we yield ourselves to you and adjust our hearts to fit your honor and your, your glory, and in that moment you encourage our hearts. Lord, I pray that right now we would just be all consumed with this wondrous, perfect, satisfying love that you offer us through Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, Mark chapter 14. Okay, so here's Here's what I, and I want to kind of bring it home a little bit. See, as followers of Christ, we get all religious, get all spiritual, all goody two-shoes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, some of y'all don't know yet? Okay, yeah, right. And in the midst of our religious devotion, we talk a good game about Jesus being everything to us, but as we talk this good game about Jesus being everything to us, what happens is we forget Jesus and we start living life the way we want to live it. And we wonder why it is that we're not satisfied, why we, why we have this sense of loneliness or despair. And, 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 and as followers of Christ, I think that part of it is we're, we're, not, we're not yielding ourselves to Jesus in such a way that, that our heart can be encouraged by his love. Now, so here's the way it needs to work in your life, if I may be so bold. This is the way it works in my life, and I hope that it helps you understand how I think Scripture. Now, here, I wake up in the morning, I go through the day, and I continually check the condition of my heart. And, and I read uh, earlier, submit your, uh, to, uh, I read uh, James chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, uh, or 6 and 7. And Proverbs chapter 3. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, that, that's it for me. I mean, I, I can check the condition of my heart with that verse. Is my heart proud before God? Am I trying to do things my way? And so I'll go through the day and I'll stop. And I've asked God to do this for me. Will you stop me in the middle of my day so that I can make sure that my heart is in tune with him? Not do I feel okay. This isn't about feelings. This is about where am I as a follower of Christ? Am I yielded to to God? So here's the way James describes it. In verses five, uh, James 4, verses 5 and 6, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Then verse 7, he says, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Uh, uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. So here's the way I get access to a satisfying love. Man, I, I wake up and I go through the day submitting myself to, submitting myself to God. So I'm walking the halls of school. Hey, I'm walking the halls of school, just getting their attention. Some of y'all needed that too, but I'm walking the halls of school. Hey, listen, I'm going to start preaching my sermon sitting down with you all. Uh, so here I am walking the halls of school, 
And I wonder why it is that, that I am so miserable. Part of it is because you're not submitting yourself to God. I'm not talking about, am I living a moral life? That doesn't, that's, that's not the measure. The measure is, am I submitted to God? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Some of y'all are not submitting to God right now in the middle of this worship service, but that's a different ballgame. So we need to submit to God. Secondly, now, we, we submit to God and, and we humble ourselves before him. And here's the promise. He will lift us up. This is, this is what his love does. He will encourage our hearts when we submit ourselves to him. And secondly, we, we, need to, we need to reflect on the portrait of this love. Look, throughout the day, we need to rehearse and remember the cross of Christ. Look, if God loved me so much that he would send his only begotten son to die on a cross on my behalf, don't I know that he loves me enough right now to take care of me in the midst of my day? I need to reflect on his love for me. So many of us are are chasing after all these, these pitiful love. We're chasing after counterfeit love. We're chasing after a love that will never satisfy us. We're chasing after those loves. When in reality, what we need is God's love. We need the greatest of all love. This is the love that will satisfy us. So how do we take hold of that love? Instead of chasing after all these little counterfeit things and all these little incomplete loves, let's chase after God's love, let's reflect, let's remember, let's rehearse, let's celebrate his love. God loves me so much that he sent Jesus to die in my place on a cross. Boom! Now that's love. And it's real love. And it's right now love. This is the kind of love that God offers me. And and I can be satisfied in that love. How many of y'all memorized John 3.16? That verse is sufficient to help you anytime during the day to reflect on God's life-giving, satisfying love. Hey, nobody else has died for me. Jesus did. That's the love I want. And when I reflect on Christ's life-giving love, when, when I set my gaze on that life-giving love, do you know what that helps me do? It helps me love others. See, I'm not looking in the best of me. This is the best of me in, in, in my relationship. I'm not looking for Edie to satisfy that love need that I have that only God can satisfy. I'm not trying to get Edie to feel that you complete me emptiness because God's already done that. So I'm not loving Edie so that she can love me in return. No, I'm already, be, I'm already being loved by God. And that sets me free to love Edie the way Christ has loved me. That sets me free to be sacrificial in my love for her. It sets me free to be sacrificial in my love for my children. It sets me free to be sacrificial in my love for you. I'm not trying to go through this transaction where I love you and you love me. And so if we love each other really good, then we have a pretty good thing going. 
No, that's not it. I've already been loved as good as I could ever get loved by a living God who sent Jesus to die in my place upon a cross. And so now that I've been loved like that, now I can love others in the way that God has loved me in Christ. So so here's how our relationships begin to soar. They go to another level. When we reflect on this portrait of, of God's life-giving love, we, we find our souls nourished by that love. So then we're free to love others the way he has loved us. Husbands, can I say that one of the reasons you're doing a pitiful job as a husband is because you're not reflecting on God's love for you. Or you're stiff-arming God so much that you can't taste that love. Wives, can I say that one of the reasons you're, you're doing such a pitiful job in, in, in loving your husband or loving your children, husbands and fathers loving your children, one of the reasons you're doing such a pitiful job is because you're not reflecting, you're not, you're, not, you're not considering, you're not remembering, you're not rehearsing this wondrous love that gives you satisfaction. We, we, need, to, we need to rehearse and remember This love of God brought to us through Jesus Christ who died in our place upon a cross so that we can love others. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the payment price for our sin. In this is love. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and move, always bounding in the the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Why? Because we are more than conquerors through Christ who has loved us. And Paul said in Romans 8, I'm convinced neither death nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, nor, nor height, nor death, nor any other creator thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, we, we, can, we can live powerful lives because we've been satisfied and secured by God's love. But for us to taste that every day, we need to think of that every day. So in the midst of those moments when you're chasing after those other things that you think might satisfy, just stop for a second and think about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Think about his love. Well, as we consider this wondrous love, as we reflect on it, the last thing I'd say is we, we need to race to God in prayer. See, that's what Jesus did. And we want to be like Jesus. See, there were moments, there, there will be moments when we become overwhelmed. But that's not terrible. Jesus was overwhelmed too. You go down to verse 32 of Mark chapter 14. And... Uh, You go down to verse 32, and Scripture says that, that Jesus went to a place called Capernaum, a, a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. 
And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further. He fell on the ground. And he prayed. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he came out and he found uh, them sleeping and said, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I, I want us to stop it. You know, there are those seasons where, man, I want to do something, but my, I, I'm overwhelmed. I know God wants me to walk this path, and I know that there are things that he would have me do, but man, I'm overwhelmed. Jesus was facing the, the crisis of the cross, and he was overwhelmed. So uh, when we face what God has given us to do, and by the way, God has given you something to do. When you face what God has given you to do and you look out down the corridor of your life this week and, and you wonder how in the world can I accomplish that? It scares me. It's, it, it's tough. I don't know that I can do that. Here, here's what you do. Be like Jesus and race to God in prayer. Well, we need to talk to God about our, our, that, that overwhelming thing. We need to talk to him. Oh, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus used the most intimate terms. And maybe you know this, Abba, intimate, daddy, certainly. It's, it's an Aramaic term and a term of affection. When I call my dad, I don't call him Dr. Thomas, uh, even though he is Dr. Thomas. I, I don't call him high and holy, right, reverend, sir. Uh, he probably liked that, but I don't. When I call my dad, I say, hey, Dad. It's not a sign of disrespect. It's a sign of intimacy. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with God. He said, Abba, Father. It's a sign of intimacy. They had relationship. They had fellowship. And because of Jesus, we have immediate intimacy with God. We have the right to call him Abba, Father. But perhaps you haven't heard often that Abba doesn't just describe intimacy between a father and son or daughter, but it also describes obedience on the part of the the son or the daughter. It's not just immediate intimacy, but it's also absolute obedience on the part of the son. So when Jesus was saying, Abba, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. He's saying, Dad, this is tough. I need your help. But make no mistake. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. Dad, I know you're going to help me. I need your help. I'm your obedient son. I'll do what you want. Now today, in the midst of the day, for us to taste God's love, we need to run to him for help. I, 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 know, that, I know that it's hard to ask for help sometimes. And maybe it's hard for you to talk to God about, about the, but God should be the easiest one to talk to. Why? Because he already knows what's going on in your world, right? So talk to him. Not only does he know what's going on, he can help. Not only can he help, he desires to help. Not only does he desire to help, but he will help. That's who God is. But in the midst of it, we have to say, and I'm going to be obedient. 
I'm going to be obedient in the silence. I'm going to be obedient in, in the tough moments. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to step on through this, this tough time. In fact, Jesus uh, even looked at the cross as a joy, not because, not because he was a, a masochist. He looked at the, at the cross as a joy because he knew that it would bring pleasure to God, his dad. See, when, when, we, when we race to God in prayer, then our hands are strengthened by God's love. He's going to wrap us up in his arms. He's going to take care of us emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. That's who God is. So today, as we come to this place, look, I I don't want this to just be a communion service where we take it, eat it, leave. My prayer for you today is for you to be overwhelmed by Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. That today you might have your heart encouraged by the love of God through Christ. I pray that you might have your soul nourished by the love of God through Christ. And I pray that you would have your hands strengthened. Your your whole life warmed by the love of God in Christ. Today, you can be satisfied by God's love. Hearts encouraged, souls nourished, and hands strengthened for the mission he's given us to fulfill.